Hello, all, and welcome back to the Three Got Game Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, and I got my other co-hosts, Matt and G. G, how you doing tonight? Oh, uh, good. You know, just glad to be back here with you guys talking sports. Big trade deadline. Uh, Super Bowl week's ramping up with a lot of storylines. Obviously, so sad the Packers are not in it, but uh, should be a good week of sports, and just glad to be here. Yeah, definitely. Matt, how you doing tonight? Well, I'm... I'm- like, gee, I'm happy to be back here with you guys. Uh, Celtics have won eight of the last nine games, but then they had to break my heart by making some dumb trades today. And no. uh, and the Jets, Giants, and Knicks suck, so life's good. <laughs> yes, uh, definitely happy to be back here. It's Super Bowl weekend. Can't wait. Excited. I know it's the last week of football, but, hey, I'm happy to – Watch this uh, amazing game coming up Sunday. Yes, big news and all trade deadlines and coaching changes. So we're going to get right into that. Uh, let's start off with the Super Bowl. Uh, Bengals, Rams. Guys, your predictions, your thoughts. Who's going to win? Who's your MVP? G, we'll start with you. Uh, this might surprise you guys. I think this is going to be a blowout. I do. I think this is an absolute mismatch. Um, I have the Rams 34-17. And wouldn't surprise me if it was worse. But I, I just think that that Bengals offensive line is just going to be absolutely overwhelmed by that front. Um, think the Bengals-Titans game where Burrow got sacked nine times with more pressure and Matt Stafford instead of Ryan Tannehill with those weapons on uh, on the offense. Um, I think the Rams are going to put up points. The Bengals have a solid defense. And I don't want to sound like a Bengals hater because they're, you know, it's a great story. Joe Burrow is an amazing quarterback. He's going to be one of the best in the league for, you know, for a while. Uh, barring he doesn't get hurt or anything like that, knock on wood. But. I don't get how they're here. Honestly, I, it, it's a lot of like, you know, they, I, I, you know what it is? They've played well in spots, but like they haven't put together to me, like any crazy game performances. I beat the Raiders. The Raiders were in the goal to go away from sending the game to overtime. Um, Tannehill was awful and cost Tennessee who defense dominated pretty much most of that game and they squeaked by um and then it took a Patrick Mahomes pretty much epic choke job for them to get to the Super Bowl I mean they're Burrow's been playing well but he hasn't been like on he hasn't been exactly tearing it up he's been playing well um the defense has played well in crucial spots and their kicker has been absolutely clutch so I guess you can say that's why they're here. But I think the Rams are just a well-oiled machine. I think they have a really good offensive line. Um, I don't I don't think the Bengals' front is going to bother Stafford that much. They could, but I don't think they will. Um, I think Cooper Cup and even OBJ could have big days. Um, as long as Stafford doesn't, you know – play hero ball like he would in Detroit and he remembers that he's in LA with a lot of talent around him and he doesn't have to carry. He plays within the system and within, and you know, within these means, I think, I think the Rams coast. I do. Um, 
I'm rooting for a good game, but um, I don't know, man. I, I burrow anything's possible, you know, like, but th- to me, the Bengals winning this game would be like the biggest shock to me since the Giants ended the Patriots undefeated season. That's how surprised I'd be if the Bengals won the Super Bowl. I can't think of a Super Bowl where be- up until then where I thought like, oh, uh, wow, the like Eagles Patriots when Nick Foles oh, was a damn quarterback. Oh, that's that's right. Actually, yeah. I don't don't I, bring back the memories. Okay, I, I see that one. I blocked from my mind. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That, that one I completely I forgot that happened. I mean, you know, but you know, so actually, yeah. So you know, that's a good point. Since then, but I think I think this would be even more surprising. Honestly, I mean, it, it's you look at the Nick Foles versus Tom Brady thing, and that's why it's surprising. But like, I just think this is a roster mismatch for me. But Matt, you can dispute that if you want. Sure. But. <laughs> I, I I think it'd be that big of an upset, you know, if McVeigh doesn't call be conservative and Stafford doesn't implode. I think the Rams coast. That's just me. Thirty four seventeen. That's my prediction. And who's your MVP pick? Um, I'm gonna go Stafford because as long as the quarterback plays well, they usually give it to the quarterback. Um, followed by if he doesn't win it, Cooper Cup, and then Aaron Donald. That would be my top three. But I'm gonna go with Stafford because I still. I think he's going to throw for like nearly at least nearly 300 yards and a couple touchdowns. And usually, you know, they'll that's enough to give it to a quarterback. Unless he throws like two or three touchdowns to Cooper Cup, then we can change that. But I'm going to go Stafford. All right, Matt, what do you think? And you're shaking your head there. Um, I do agree with G. I think the Rams are going to win the Super Bowl. I don't think it's going to be a blowout like G said. But if you look at the roster – player to player like just look at the defense who you give the edge to the Rams like yes. obviously they got that front line and then then Jalen Ramsey in the secondary and then offensive line on offense who you, who you give the edge to the Rams of course and I guess the only advantage Cincinnati really has is maybe the clutch kicking game yeah. and and the run game as well because Mixon can do a lot of damage from the back sure. that's true and uh and I would say the quarterback and wide receivers, like that, that can be a wash because they're both extremely talented. Yeah, so. I, I might give the edge to the Bengals. I, I think I, you know, um, overall the receiving court. Uh, overall, I think I think Cooper Cup is the best one. But you look at Chase Higgins and Boyd, it might be a better trio than Cup, OBJ, and Van Jefferson. Now, if Woods was playing and healthy. Yeah, I would probably true. lean Rams, but yeah. I, well, either way, it's not. Yeah, yeah. either way, it's not by I mean, that big a margin. Yeah, it's yeah, not sure. by that much of a margin. For sure. So, so yeah, and almost every <laughs> shape, way, and form, the Rams had the have the advantage. But because of that, they're going to be playing with house money because they're like the overwhelming favorites. So, I mean, they're at so their home like, stadium too. Yeah, and they're at their home home field. So, so I think more pressure is going to be on the Rams and. And will Stafford live up to that pressure? We'll see. Because you even saw during the playoffs, like after Cardinals, they beat them. They played against the Buccaneers where they were underdogs. And then they played against the 49ers where Jimmy G was the opposing quarterback. So as yeah. long as your quarterback can do something, I'll, then. I'll, I'll give you this, Matt. When you talk about playing with house money, you're right. Because they were underdogs against um, the Bucs. And even playing the Niners, the Niners, a lot of people picked them because they were 
um, McVay never beat Shanahan. So they, there was that whole edge factor to the Niners because they've owned them for a while. So it's almost like the Rams were not playing with a lot of pressure per se. So like yeah. I'll, I'll give you that. The pressure is solely on them. So that'll be interesting. And if they play tight, you'll we'll all notice it. And that'll that'll definitely change my perspective of the game. Yeah, definitely. Right. And but, then also and also on the Bengals side, like even though Joe Burrow's gotten hit a lot, he's not faced by them. At all. Like he's still You're right. Like he's still like even when he takes those nine sacks, like he's still playing like he hasn't been touched touched on the field. Like like it's unbelievable how he just yeah. pops back up and Goes on to the next play like nothing happened. So, it's so like I don't think that young phase by the moment. And uh, and you're right. Like the it's a total mismatch in the front because that Bengals O line <laughs> is horrible. And then with the Rams with Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Leonard Floyd, Floyd like they're gonna get you, Burrow. It's just gonna be a matter of can Burrow get the ball out quick or not. Mm-hmm. And because of that. I just think it, they're going to ask Burrow to do too much, which is why I'm picking the Rams to win. I think they're going to win 24-20. And okay. I think Leonard – and I'm going to pick a surprise MVP, Leonard Floyd. I think he's going to mm. get, get like three sacks this game because obviously Aaron Don's going to be doubled a lot yeah. like the entire game. And then on the, on the edge, like they're going to chip Von Miller. So – that's going to be Leonard Floyd one-on-one against their right tackle. And I think he's going to be the one that gets the quarterback most. So, Rams 24-20, Leonard Floyd MVP. All right. Uh, lay some money on it. You probably have some good odds, bro. Put a yeah. piece on it. Um, no, yeah, this 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 game go either one or two, uh, two ways. It could go Rams blow out the Bengals or somehow – it's going to be a close game where the Bengals just fight their way back into it. Now, gee, going back to saying how the Bengals, you don't know how they got here. Um, you're right. No, no one knows how they got here. They're, they're not even supposed to be here. They're not. Yeah. Uh, but they, like you said, you, you know, they found pockets. They seized opportunities that yeah. other teams gave them. And they, they, didn't, they didn't just blow them. They took the, the chance and they, they made some of it. And that's why they're yeah. here. Um, I think two weeks – Having prepared for this game, the Bengals will figure out a way how to not stop this line, but figure out a way around, you know, having the defensive line of the uh, Rams, you know, quicker quicker pass game, um, you know, something, double teaming or, you know, doing something where they, you know, they're better prepared. So, you know, hopefully they, they can do that. Um, but, yeah, Matt, look at your point, look at the roster, yes. Overall, LA has a much better roster than the Bengals, but Bengals are scrappy. I mean, don't be don't be afraid. Joe Burrow is pretty good, so um, it's gonna be interesting. I think, like you guys also said, I think the pressure is on LA. It it still is on Stafford. Can he do it? Can he get it done? You know, you have the you have the receiver, you have the running back, you have the defense. Now it's time to show it in the Super Bowl, and there's pressure on him. Um, Joe Burrow has nothing to lose. Nothing. Literally nothing sure. to lose. They lose. He loses. It's okay, you know. They didn't have the best roster, so next year they'll come back stronger, and we already know what Joe can do. Um, and he's young. 
super young. So, who do you got for MVP? If you had to pick, um, well, I'm picking the Rams. I think the Rams are going to win. Um, it's going to be 30 to 20. Um, I think, I think Stafford's going to win it. I think he's going to throw like 320, three touchdowns. I think he's going to have a couple of picks, one or two picks. Um, but he'll still win it. Um, but yeah, I think Stafford, either Stafford or Donald. I'm gonna make. A, I'm gonna go out on a limb right now. Go ahead, because you guys know I've been saying for a while since Stafford came to the Rams that I was. I've been banging on the table for how Matt Stafford's gonna show why he was mired in mediocrity in Detroit, and he yep. was always mistreated and overlooked as one of the better quarterbacks in the league because of Detroit's terrible situation. I'm going on a limb, and I'm going to say Stafford is going to have one of the best Super Bowl performances we've seen in the last maybe 10 to 15 years, like single-game performances. I think he's going to I, – I have – I am saying he's going to throw four touchdowns. I'm going to go four touchdowns, Ooh. 350, no picks. Wow. Ooh, That's no picks. No picks. No picks. 354 tubs, no, no picks. I'm going big. And Stafford's going to cement himself as a Canton Hall of Famer with this put that, performance. Put some money on that. Yeah, I know. Put $100 on that. Yeah. Ooh, I might, oh, that's, a little, that's a little rich for my blood. Maybe a 10-piece, like I told you. you <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, hey, 6.30 p.m. Hope it's a good one. Really hope it's a good one. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on. Uh, we have some NFL coaching uh, hires this past uh, weekend or this past couple weeks. You guys, your thoughts? You know, who do you like? Who do you don't like? You know, what's your thought? We'll go we'll go each one who you thought was the best hire for that team. Um, okay. My bad, guys. No, it's all good. Um, there we go. I'll start it off. Go ahead, I'm going to go with uh, Brian Dayball for the Giants. And, you know, the Giants haven't done a lot right over the years. But I think he's a tremendous uh, – prospect and it could be a really good head coach i say this because of what he's done for josh allen since he's been the offensive coordinator since he's been in buffalo josh allen came in as a really really raw prospect he came in if you guys remember the first couple years he really struggled in the league and i like what dayball was able to do with him that entire bill's offense and kind of transform them he just seems like a leader and i think he's gonna have a plan in place he might not have a good first year because I'm not the biggest Daniel Jones fan, but I think the Giants could easily become a Super Bowl. I'm not a Super Bowl team. Let's let's slow down there. Sorry, a playoff <laughs> team in a in a couple of years if uh, Dayball kind of builds in a his, couple like, years. I, I do. I think after this year, if they can uh, hit on some draft picks, like give them two years, I think they'll be a playoff caliber team. I really do. I think um, if they can hit on some draft picks. Um, get rid of the deadweight free agents, you know, shed some cap and be able to sign the right guys when he installs his system. I think it'll allow um, the offense to flourish a bit more, you know, and um, I think he'll get his hands on a more veteran type quarterback after Daniel Jones, because I don't think he's going to last after one more year, even with Dayball there. And so, you know, given a couple of drafts, a couple of free agents, players developing, I think they could have a playoff caliber roster in a couple of years with a the right veteran quarterback and with Dayball implementing a system. 
Yeah, my my thing is if the Giants don't make the playoffs within two or three years, I don't think Dayball is going to be there. I think they're going to fire him. Well, that's why I'm saying they're going to be there in a couple of years. I think they'll be a playoff in, the, in two years. Okay, fair yeah, enough. After, after they get rid of Daniel Jones, and yeah, yeah, all right, fair enough. And uh, so yeah, I think the best coaching hire to me is Doug Peterson. Uh, that was another one I thought of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think he's a very good offensive minded coach. Uh, he's a big time risk taker. Like loves going for fourth downs. Like loves going for two point conversions instead of field goals, but. I think he had really good offensive scheme in Philadelphia. I mean, for God's sake, he got Nick Foles a Super Bowl MVP. So He had Carson Wentz in line to win MVP before he got hurt. Yeah, and exactly. now Carson Wentz is, you know. He's <laughs> a shove himself, yeah. And I think, I think with the Eagles situation, like, he was kind of in a bad place because they were – I think the upper management was trying to get him to – trust Carson and play him more and Doug Peterson was not stored on him wanting him gone getting yeah. a new quarterback and everything so I think he was in a tough situation in terms of that but now he's in a new situation um, he just has to be better than, well at least for first year he just needs to last for a year because you saw last year the coach uh, couldn't even last more than uh, <laughs> three quarters of the year so so like that would be an upgrade to begin with but, but I think he'll help develop Trevor Lawrence, uh, they're going to get tra- Travis Etienne back, and uh, they have a lot of cap space. So I think they'll get like a bunch of pieces to to help uh, build around Trevor Lawrence. Okay, I I like both of yours. I'm going to go on a limb here because I think those are the two big ones. I'm going to go with Kevin O'Connell. I really hope you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Just because for the past <laughs> – 10 or actually past 12 years, the Vikings have not had an offensive-minded coach. You got a good quarterback. You got some good receivers. You put an offensive-minded coach. Things can happen. I really I know you don't want that to so happen, bad. G. I, so bad. I'm afraid. I am. Uh, I, really I think it's, to be wrong. I think it's just – it's good for Kirk Cousins. I think it's good for Justin Jefferson. You know, uh I think if they – I mean, the offense is good. They have an offensive-minded coach, which is good, but I think they still need to focus on the defense and rebuilding that defense towards one, what it once was, you know, maybe three or four years ago. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think that's a it's, – it's out on a limb. Uh, you know, under McVay, you know, there has been really good coaches, you know, like Zach Taylor, Matt LaFleur, Brandon Staley, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kevin O'Connell. Hopefully that tree is still good, but we'll see. You know, I'm just going to go with that one. Um, all right, quickly before we move on, um, you know, to, due to the recent coaching hires, um, what do you think is best for a team, an offensive-minded coach or a defensive-minded coach? Like, um, Depends on the roster, but I think in today's age, it's an offensive-minded yeah. coach. Yeah, because it's an I offensive, agree. It's an offensive-minded league. That's true. But I, I would, I would uh, definitely say an answer is different based on whatever the roster and the talent you have. But for the most part, I think, I think it's an offensive-driven league. You should get an offensive coach and then hire the best possible defensive coordinator. Don't be stingy. I'm looking at you, Green Bay, you know, for years with your coordinators and whatnot. Joe Barry Hire... did fine. Huh? Joe Barry did fine. No, 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 no. I'm not talking I'm just yeah. talking about like in general. Last year we 
uh, the dude Rizzy, the state special teams coordinator, he wanted, he was going to be a Packer, but uh, we, low, okay. we lowballed him, you know, special teams that, you know, yeah. bit us in the ass this year because we don't think it's important, you know, coaching, yeah. certain, you know, that's Green Bay is cheap. You know, I have to throw in a shot at my Packers. We're always cheap. But getting an offensive-minded coach and then paying big bucks for a big-time D coordinator is probably the way to go in this day and age. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what it's looking like because out of these – Eight coaching hires or eight teams that hire coaches, six out of eight were offensive-minded coaches, and the other two were defensive-minded coaches. So, I don't know. Uh, all right, moving on. I'm going to swing it over to these guys over here with the NBA trade deadline. Guys, Matt, take it away. All right. So, the past couple of days, we had so many big trades. Um, I can run down all of them with the Pacers trading – DeMontis Sabonis, Jeremy Lamb, Justin Holiday to the Kings for Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald. Uh, I have no idea what the Kings are doing, training away a young <laughs> point guard like that. But, uh, but Sabonis, he's a legit player, so I'm interested to see how they do. I mean, it is a king, so we'll see. And then the Mavs training away Kristaps Porzingis to Wizards for Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, I guess... I mean, I really know what to think of it. I guess it'll help Luca a little bit, just having another guard beside him with, along with uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. So, so, I think that's a good trade. Uh, the Blazers trade Norman Powell, Robert Covington to the Clippers for Eric Bledsoe and Justice Winslow. Um, if somehow the Clippers can get Kawhi and Paul George healthy at the end of the year, watch out for them because them with Powell and Covington both very efficient offensive players that can both play high-level defense. Like, they're going to be a team to watch in the West. So, keep one eye open, Phoenix. And then the Pelicans trade – or or the Blazers, again, trading C.J. McCollum and Tony Snell to the Pelicans for Josh Hart and uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. And then Alexander-Walker getting traded to Jazz for Joe Inglis. Um, Pelicans, I have no idea what they're trying to do uh, – they got to figure out this whole Zion situation first because he has only played in like a third of of the games of his entire career. So, so that's something they got to figure out. And the Blazers, like it looks like they're starting from scratch. Uh, I think they're going to try to trade Damian Lillard somewhere and uh, and just start over, get a lot of assets for them and just build around those assets. <clears throat> and then – the two that me and G will have an open table talk about. The Brooklyn Nets and the Philadelphia trade, along with all the Celtics trades that, uh, that we will be going off on. But let's begin with Brooklyn and Philly. Brooklyn traded James Harden to Philly for Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two first-round picks. G, what do you think of that? Like, does that make either team any better or – well, the trade. <laughs> well, real quick, I have to point out, like you, I don't know what the hell the Kings are doing either. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I just want to throw that out there before we get started on that. And, um, but that trade, I might, I don't know, I might be in the minority here, or maybe who knows? I don't know how the general public's perceiving this. I like it for both teams, and here's why: one, the Sixers had to move. Um, Ben Simmons. He was not playing for them. And to move him for James Harden, you acquire a superstar caliber player to pair up with your superstar MVP caliber big man 
who was basically the only superstar on the team before this trade, is a massive win. Now, um, so that's a massive upgrade for the Sixers in that front. The downside for the Sixers is I think they gave up a little too much to get James. Uh, I mean, to actually not the yeah, I think they gave up a little too much to get James Harden. I mean, com- uh, piling on uh, what Seth Curry was a valuable shooter brings instant offense for them. I mean, they've traded multiple picks. And who was the other player, Matt? I forgot. Um, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond. Andre Drummond. Uh, yeah. big body. I mean, I don't know if they were they're going to miss him too much. But Andre Drummond going to the Nets is a big deal for the Nets because I think they're pretty thin on the front court. So, like, they kind of, like, they won, but they lost because they're helping a direct rival get better while they're not, you know, losing sleep over losing Drummond. You know, it's a huge acquisition for the Nets. They needed a big body. They're pretty thin in the front court. So having a, a player like Drummond who could play in the post and, you know, play defense and block shots and rebound is a big thing for them. I mean, the Nets, Harden didn't want to be there. Um, so it's good for them. But at the same time, I don't know how Ben Simmons fits in Brooklyn. I like the pieces they got back besides Ben Simmons. I think Seth Curry and those picks and Drummond are going to be awesome rotational players. You know, those two in the draft picks, which will help Brooklyn. But when I look at the trio of Ben Simmons, Kyrie, and and KD, Ben Simmons and KD can work together. But what, is, what does that leave Kyrie? He's not exactly a spot-up shooter or anything like that. And Ben Simmons kind of needs the ball in his hands to operate. So I don't know how the fit's going to be. You know, he can't really shoot. He, yeah. just, seems, he, he just seems like, you know, it, it would have been better if, like, instead of Kyrie, they had, like, a, a sniper that or someone that could play off ball like KD, then it would work a little bit better. Uh, maybe someone like even if you had like Steph Curry there, you know what I mean? Steph is a point guard, but he can kind of play off ball if you need him to. He doesn't need to handle the ball all the time. Uh, you know, Kyrie is a ball dominant kind of point guard, so I'm not sure how that works. I mean, he'll he'll score. He's a star. He's a superstar. He'll figure it out. But you know, I always look at fits when we look at big threes. You always got to see how certain fits come in. You know, when LeBron, D Wade, and Bosh came in, it took them a while to gel. Because the fit wasn't perfect. Whereas in Boston in 2008, when we traded for Ray and KG, you kind of knew that was going to work because they were older. Still, they were older superstars, but you had a post-up guy, guy who wants to slash more, and Ray who can play the spot-up shooter role and come off screens. So they don't really inter- intertwine with what they do best. So, you know, we'll see. I like to trade for both teams because they both needed to make a change. But if I had to lean, I'd slightly lean to the Sixers, surprisingly, I think. Just because they got rid of that Ben Simmons situation, they bring in Harden, who can bring immediate impact if he's healthy, and him and Embiid will be a formidable duo. I actually disagree with you. I think Brooklyn Nets won this trade and won convincingly. Hmm. And I'm going to tell you why. James Harden, I mean, he's a superstar. He's, <clears throat> and he'll probably go down as an all-time all-time player, future Hall of Famer and everything. He's but, a top 75 player, so... Yeah. yeah, easily. But my big issue with him as of the last couple of years, he's been having so many hamstring problems. And you saw at the end of last year, <coughs> and even this year, like, 
it seems like he's always having these nagging hamstring injuries and yeah. he's not getting any younger. And I don't think he really does a, the best job, like taking care of his body, staying in shape. I think Agreed. he's enjoying the strip club a little more than he needs to, <laughs> but, but yeah, I think, I think the Nets did the right thing. And I think with Simmons, I actually disagree with you with the fit because you know, when Kyrie Harden and Durant played together, Kyrie was playing off the ball while James Harden was the one distributing. And it worked out perfectly when they were together. Yeah. But they weren't together that much. That was the only issue because of various injuries. But, um, but yeah, I think Simmons will fit perfectly fine with the Nets. I mean, he's obviously – he can play – he's, a, he's in my opinion, the best defender in the league. He can play one through five on the defensive end. Um, he's very good at distributing the ball. And he has shooters around him. Like Kyrie, I mean, I know you don't really call him a spot – spot up shooter no, he guy, shoot. but he, he can, can do shoot. that yeah. yeah and obviously like he can cut your basket finish at the rim extremely well and then you got durant out in the perimeter you got guys like patty mills Seth joe Curry, harris joe harris yeah they got and even lamarcus aldridge like like he's a good uh mid-range sh- shooter so yeah. you can put him in the post up and everything so so yeah i think simmons like he's not gonna have to do as much as he did in philly especially because he's gonna have shoes around him and then with Curry, like, yeah, he'll be a good depth guy off the bench, catch-and-shoot type guy, can bring the ball up if needed. So, so like, yeah, he's a perfect fit. And then Drummond, I think that's going to help a lot because when they play teams like the 76ers or the Suns or a team that has a legit, like, big, big body guy, yeah, who's still on offense, like – they have somebody to counter that, which they haven't had in the past couple of years. So yeah, which is the big part of the trade for me that I looked at Drummond going there too. So, so yeah, I think, and I think, uh, yeah, he perfect for that. Like he'll be good in matchup situations. And then I know the big question is come playoff time, like when Ben Simmons is going to have to shoot free throws. Like, what do you do? Well, uh, simple solution: take him out and either put Curry or or uh, Patty Mills in and put Kyrie at the point guard. Like, like that's what you got to do if you're the Nets in late-game situations when, like, they're going to want to start fouling and making you shoot free throws. But, um, but yeah, I think it's a great trade for the Nets. And on top of that, they got two future first-round picks. So, so, yeah, I think Nets won the trade pretty comfortably. But, uh, but yeah, let's move on to our team, the Celtics. Hold on, hold on. Before we uh, move on, yeah, some make some comments about this little trade here. All right. I think the Sixers got the better half of this. One, Ben Simmons holding out. Uh, why was he doing that? Because his coach didn't... didn't believe in him, quote unquote. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's a big um, baby. He's a baby. So, he's a baby. Remember when Le'Veon Bell was holding out for the Steelers? Mm-hmm. And what happened to his career? Not good. Not good. Well, he also when you went br- to Jets. So. I get it. I get it. I get it. <laughs> when you bring a problem, when you have a problem and you bring it to another team, does that problem go away? Typically, typically not really. No. So, you know what, Ben Simmons, you're a professional basketball player. Start growing up and start acting like a professional because you're not acting like it. And for your question of when it comes down to the playoffs, how about this, Ben? Get better at shooting free throws. Simple as that. You're a basketball player. You're supposed to perform. You can't just pick and choose what you're good at. All right. So 
I don't know. You know, it could be a good situation. It could not be, but I feel like it's going to be another problem. Because if, if he's unhappy, he's going to do this whiny baby shit he always does, and I'm, I'm not happy. Blah, blah, blah. So, right. I mean, didn't, I mean, Ryan, to I, counter your point, didn't James Harden do the same exact thing? Everyone's, you know, I know, I get it, I get it. Exactly, no, he, like, every, no, nobody's had no, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. To Ryan's not point really. That, to, Ryan, to Ryan's point, I don't think we've seen anybody hold out like Ben Simmons did. James Harden begrudgingly played wherever he was to get traded. Of course. Vince Carter back in the Toronto days begrudgingly played to get traded. That's, ben Simmons literally was like, I will not play here till I leave. And if he struggles, yeah, early, you can point at the, noi- the noise is going to get really loud for him. He just better like, be careful. That's all I'm just saying. Yeah, you better be careful. No, for sure. It yeah, can be my really thing loud. with Ben Simmons and like all these other guys like Le'Veon Bell that held out, like he's going into a great situation where oh, for sure. he's not going to be a number one or number two guy. Like he just has oh, to, no, I to know. distribute. And played very good defense. Like he's not yeah, going to be asked to do too much. Like he's he a complimentary player. Yeah, exactly. So I get it. I get it. If, if the Nets put him in situations for him to play to his strengths, he'll succeed. Which yeah. I'm thinking they're going to do. So just saying. Absolutely. You want you want to play professionally? You got to be a professional. And attitude mm-hmm. is everything. Trust me. Attitude is mm-hmm. everything. All right, you guys move on to your next uh, Celtics. Yeah. Whatever so. you guys are doing in your world. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what the heck we're doing. But, yeah, so the Celtics made a couple trades today. Um, they traded Josh Richardson, Romeo Langford, and a first-round pick protected for, for to Spurs for Derek White. And then they also traded Dennis Schroeder, Ennis Cantor, uh, sorry, Freedom, my bad, and uh, Bruno Fernando, whatever his last name is, to Rockets for Daniel Tice. Um, we just had. <laughs> yeah. G. I mean, I I'm just speechless at this. Like, I I got um, I got okay. like this soak in before th- saying anything. <laughs> so we made the fir- so we won the first trade. I was like, huh, Derek White. All right, well that definitely means Marcus Smart is gone. You know, I'm like, all right, we got Derek White. We'll probably trade Marcus Smart for a package of like either picks or some rotational players that fit with us. That didn't happen. So we kept basically two versions of Marcus Smart on the team. Okay. And I'm like, all right, well, what else can we do? Then I see the notification Celtics make another trade. I'm like, oh, well, that must be smart or something that makes sense. I'm like, Dennis Schroeder first. I'm like, ah, you know, I was surprised. I'm like, ah, you know, Derek Wright and Marcus Smart there, whatever. And then I see who we get back. And I'm just like, we just had Daniel Tice. Why in the world did we trade three players slash picks or whatever? To freaking get him back. I don't get it. I don't know what we're doing. So, like, I'm just, like, thinking, um, I'm trying to think of the rotation right now. So, we're going to start, I'm guessing, Marcus Smart. Yeah, we're probably starting Marcus Smart. And then when he gets tired, we'll sub him out for Marcus Smart. Yeah, (laughs) pretty much. (laughs) Pretty much so. It's like we're kind of having the same player come in, which is kind of redundant, honestly. But don't get me wrong, both are fine players, but they do the same thing. They do the same same thing as well. Neither really can shoot it like that. You know, they both play defense. Don't get me wrong. I mean, unless we're trying to go back to like the, you know, 90s, early 2000s and uh, trying to win scoring 80, 90 points. I don't know. But like those days are gone because of the arrow win. So you need, I, I don't know, man. man I, I don't know. Go, please. Just take this. Yeah. Out. My thing is for the Derek White trade, like they got rid of, 
a good shooter in Josh Richardson. Yeah. I mean, I guess he had one year left on his contract, so they just wanted to to let him go and get him for something. And then Romeo Langford, who was our 14th pick not too long ago. But my thing is, why they trade a first-round pick as well? To get a guy who averages 14 points a game and shoots 31% from three. Like, why? Like, it makes no sense. You're basically getting, like you pointed out, another Marcus Smart, a guy who plays great defense, hustles. Like, it has a high basketball IQ, like, like can make some good passes, but they both can't shoot. And now my question, G, to you is, who they have that can be a reliable catch-and-shoot guy besides, obviously, the two Js, but who else? Like, do they have anybody? And and the and the thing is, when you talk about the the two Js, that's not really like their mo. But let's you know. Well, but they they're playmakers they, because yeah, they're, they're the two best players. Exactly. Yeah. So they're never gonna. It's gonna be hard for them to be in catch and shoot situations because they're mostly have the ball in their hands. But you know, if we're looking at it, let's uh, let's take a look. Uh, I I don't know. I'm actually looking at the roster right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's nobody. I, I mean, let's they don't see. have anybody. Al Horford, <laughs> Great. Al Horford, fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's going to be Marcus Smart chucking up like fifteen threes a game. <laughs> Matt, and, I don't know. I'm actually looking. There, I mean, um, Peyton Pritchard, but he's not really going to play. He's not going to play. <laughs> yeah, so like, well, I guess he's going to play now since Shooter got traded for uh, Daniel Tice for yeah, some inexplicable but, reason. But he's not even playing. Honestly, Robert Williams, no. Grant Williams, no. Derek White, no. Daniel Tice, no. Marcus Smart, no. I, I no. Yeah, there's nobody. Like, in, a, in a shooting league, we decided to go away from it. Bold strategy, Celtics. Let's see if it pays off for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I know they were on a roll lately, winning eight of nine games, but they've been <laughs> playing crappy teams. So, and you know me. And I'm pretty sure the same way, G. I'm not getting my hopes up on them. No. Until they prove something in the playoffs and not blow every third quarter lead, I am not going to put my hopes up on them. Yeah, like, absolutely. I'm just not. I'm not. I'm uh-huh. done. I I saw the eight out of nine games. I would, I want to be so happy about it, but I just can't. And, and, and it's nice to win, but I'm with you, man. I mean, this isn't going to change anything. Like, it's great. I mean, what are what we, like, seventh in the conference? So, so, still technically in the playing game. And, you know, maybe we move out of that. But it doesn't ease my worries about what this team is ceiling is capable of. And I'm afraid this trade's going to make us worse. It is. I, I, they know, trade away all their depth. I mean, it's like, are we just planning to be a pound-the-basketball, shot-clock-out, grinding-out defensive team? It's just... Not going to be feasible in this time. This would be a good roster if this was 2004. Like, I, you know, if this was 2004, I'd be like, yeah, you know, we got some scores. You didn't really need a lot of guys. Like, you, you need, you, 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 you had, you needed big men and defensive stoppers and stuff like that. Like, this is not 2004. We're in 2022. So I don't know what our deal is. I don't like it. Yeah. And I, and I look at the East. You know, Miami's better than us. The Bulls are better than us. Milwaukee's Bucks. better than us. You the know, Nets probably. Yeah, the, the, Nets, the Nets are going to be better than us. The, the Sixers, I think, will be better than us. I think there's five clear-cut teams, and that's not even counting Cleveland, who's having a surprisingly good year. But, you know, 
or Toronto, but whatever. But like, I think there's a there's five clear cut teams after this deadline that are clearly going to be better than us, while we made ourselves worse. So, I'm not sure, bro. Yeah, who knows? I'm I'm just confused by the whole thing. I just have no words for it. <laughs> hey, maybe it'll work out. Maybe it won't. You never know. More more likely won't. <laughs> are you guys thinking that you guys are going to go into rebuild mode, or is it just? Well, we're not rebuilding because we're keeping J- J- then we would be trading Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. I'm I'm afraid we're going to be in NBA purgatory with this trade. Good mm-hmm. enough to make the playoffs, but not good enough to really do anything. Yeah, like that, and that like key that's kind of the worst spot to be in because you're not having high draft picks to change your franchise. And you're just yep. good enough to make it to the dance, but you're not going home with anything. <laughs> yeah, <pretty> so, <laughs> yeah, you're just in the middle ground of hell. Yeah, basically. Yeah. All right, guys. Um, well, that does it for tonight. Um, it's a little shorter than last week's, but I enjoyed it. Um, I'm sure you guys did too. Um, guys, it's been a pleasure talking to you guys tonight about tonight about sports. Um, can't wait for the Super Bowl. Let's go. I'm just ready for a good game. Just ready for a good game. Yeah. Let's go Bengals. <laughs> I'm hoping, I'm hoping, you know what? I was rooting for the Rams, but, you know, I don't care anymore. I like Burrow. I like Stafford. I don't I really don't care who wins. I just yeah, want to see not, a really good game. Yeah, me too. Uh, I would be happy for Stafford because he does definitely deserve it. Um, 100%, but I want an LA team to win. Oh, we know. <laughs> we know that. <laughs> they All have right, guys. nice things. All right. All right um, Listen to our podcast. We're on Anchor, Google, Spotify, uh, Apple, you name it. We're on it. Um, like and subscribe our podcast. We're on Instagram at 3 Game. It's been a pleasure, guys. Have a good night. Take care, guys. Take care, everybody.